0: A website has some limitations when it comes to growing your brand. A website has to wait until someone comes to visit. It's like that kid always hoping someone will sleep over. You can't send it out on a tour like a book author. It won't fill a stadium with screaming fans. It doesn't count as a passenger in the HOV lane. When you think about it, a website is really little more than the brick-and-mortar store of the digital world. Actually, if you've seen the way websites are designed, They are really more like a booth at a generic convention in Topeka. If you saw your website at a party, how long would you want to hang out with it, if at all? Isn't your website more teller machine and less teller? Fear not, for your digital world offers a way to lend your digital brand the humanity your website struggles with. Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to get the results their business needs. It delivers intended consequences, and I'll teach you how to harness it.
1: It's an opportunity to go long form with potential clients or with your target audience. You don't have to be all in pitch mode all the time. You can get out of pitch mode. You can be yourself. You can talk real benefits and, and not have to be, you say, okay, I've got a 30-second soundbite, that's it. It's, it's the opposite of Twitter.
0: We've been talking about the Clue Train Manifesto lately, and thesis number three of the manifesto says that conversations between brands and markets sound human and are conducted in a human voice. Even today, this sentiment flies in the face of our tightly controlled, highly produced, and frequently foiled image-building campaigns. But we know it's true, because there's a shortcut to your customers' hearts. It's not through their stomachs, nor is it through open-heart surgery. It's through the holes we use to drain our AirPods, located on either side of our heads. It's podcasting. So how does podcasting work in a digital marketing context? How do you measure it? And what can you expect from this semi-digital medium? I went to the source. Rob Walsh is the VP of Podcaster Relations for Libsyn, the leading podcast host. This is a guy who said, hey, if you want to be on radio, just call in a lot. I vented some of my own frustrations with podcasting, hint, it's not a direct response medium, and I got an unexpected answer. He also shared with me the data behind the top shows at Libsyn. Let's listen to what he has to say. So um, I always like to start off by understanding how people find their ways to the positions that they're in, in and around the digital marketing space. Uh, how did you end
1: up at Libsyn? Well, I started podcasting myself uh, back in 2004, late 2004, and I had one of the first podcasts about podcasting, and, and I learned about Libsyn early on, and as a matter of fact, I started using them in March 2005, and liked the service so much, I was promoting it all the time, I'm mentioning it all the time on my podcast, that uh, eventually they said, hey, do you want a job? <laughs> I said, <laughs> Sure.
0: What was it that made you start a podcast on podcasting? 2004, I guess um, uh, Curry was still doing the the Daily Source Code, um, The Gilmore Gang. I guess I was listening to The Gilmore Gang
1: back then. That goes back quite a ways. Right. Yep. Those There was about 100 or so podcasts early on when I got it first no started. No and I said, you know, what am I going to do about it? Well, I'll just interview other podcasters. I was a big fan of Inside the Actor's Studio, and I basically just took that premise and said, oh, let's learn about the art and the tech of podcasting by interviewing people that are doing it so that others can learn how to do it. Do you have a radio background? What was the, what was it about audio that, that that drew you? My radio background was I was one of those people that would call into the morning radio show all the time and have a <laughs> uh, backdoor number. and wanted to be on the radio, but decided, you know, I uh, had an uncle that actually owned a radio station that told me whatever you do, don't get into radio. Uh, so I became an engineer, but always liked radio. And, uh, that's what, you know, as a hobby when podcasting around just m- made a lot of sense to me, it was like, okay, now I can do my own show, have my own rules and do whatever I want to do. And, uh, you know, talking to other folks about it. That was really what was my passion. And I had a lot of fun with that and got to meet a lot of great podcasters through my podcast and interviewing them and learning how they did things. It is a great medium. Um, I mean, I love it. I think
0: um, those uh, marketers out there that have the gift of the gab, uh, it's, it's a fantastic Communication medium, I have my reasons why I think it's it's awesome, which we can talk about, but i'm I'm interested in hearing what do you think is the power of um the spoken word, and um who do you think it impacts the most? what kind of people
1: well, especially in marketing, you talk about marketing, why it's so good for marketing, it's an opportunity to go long form with potential clients or with your target audience. You don't have to be all in pitch mode all the time. You can get out of pitch mode. You can be yourself. You can talk real benefits and, and not have to be, just, okay, I've got 30-second soundbite, that's it. Right? It's, it's the opposite of Twitter. It is long form, it's audio, and people can consume it when they want to consume it, where they want to consume it. So it's really convenient for the end user. And for you, especially for marketers, it's really convenient for you because now you can tell a story. And a long story and really get into it. And, and that's the beauty of podcasting.
0: Yeah. I'm always joking that my, uh, my blog content has kind of been taken over by the search engine optimizers and they've wrung a little bit of the fun out of it because we're, you know, our content's becoming very purposeful to make sure that people can find answers to their specific questions and certainly choose us as the, uh, as, as the authority in the data driven marketing space. Yeah. And don't forget to make top 10 lists. Got to make a top ten list. The top ten list, top seven. Well, actually, the research says that seven is the magic number. So you should start <laughs> your emails with the number seven. But that's uh, that's on another podcast. You'll 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 find that discussion uh, earlier. Um, I so we've had good success with presenting. Um, when I speak, we'll have people uh, come and find us uh, a year or two later. And of the people that have been with us for. A long time, a long time for us is three or four or five years. 60% of them had seen me speak somewhere. Now it's hard to scale speaking. And so our goal with podcasting is to make that connection, that natural trust connection that someone remembers for, you know, 12 months. And on stage, they usually remember my lab coat. Um, and that's what we want to do with podcasts. And I just love doing it because. Uh, The SEOs aren't bothering me about it. So I get to do pretty much whatever I want to do um, and have anybody on. Well, um, it made sense for me to bring you on because I I assume that a large chunk of my audience is uh, interested, considering, uh, would absolutely love to start a podcast uh, for their business. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of my frustrations with podcasting from a data-driven marketing standpoint and uh, some of the best practices uh, and expectations for podcasts that work based on your research and your experience at Libsyn. I think one of the first things I want to talk about is uh, the frustrating disconnect between um, how many people are downloading the podcast and how many people are then continuing a conversation with us through some other channel it is a it 's the dark matter of multi channel marketing when someone's listening to your podcast, you get a signal that someone downloaded it, but there's absolutely no connection now i've gone on about this, and when uh, you took a, a a take on this that I hadn't expected, so I would love all of the measurement and to know when somebody is playing, and if that person is also somebody who's on my list or if they've been to our to our website. Um you had a different take on that.
1: Yeah, one of the beauties of podcasting is there's actually privacy still in the space. It's one of the few places where people can go and do something and and have some semblance of privacy. Uh you you, you as a listener are anonymous and you can go in and you can listen to what you want to listen to and not have to be harassed. Now, marketers go, "Oh, I really want to hope, but in podcasting it's not like they're coming to your website and they have the option to opt in and be tracked and stalked and and harangued and bothered when they listen to a podcast most people are coming to Apple podcasts Spotify's so other apps where they don't get a chance to opt into your desire to track and stalk them and most people that do listen to podcasts do actually listen you know this the data has shown that it's shown it more often than not that people that download do listen and Apple Podcast stops downloading if you go five episodes without listening, anyway.
0: Yeah, and there's this interesting thing that happens. um, You know, I could listen to a podcast in the background, let's say while I'm doing dishes or folding laundry at home. Um, But I'm, you know, when when I choose my podcast, I'm actually afraid of missing something, so I don't listen in that mode. I listen when I'm driving, primarily when I'm driving, especially on those long drives, and I know I'm going to be able to, to to really pay attention, and that is, in my mind, priceless. Do you see evidence that that the the rest of the the
1: marketplace is listening to podcasts with that same kind of connection? Yeah, the majority of people start listening to the podcast not even in the car. They start listening in the kitchen on the way out to the car. Right? They they start to, to listen on their it's on their smartphone. I mean, we well, see eighty six percent of consumption is on the smartphone, and the smartphone's with you everywhere. I mean, it that's the beauty of it. It travels with you, so it's not just the driving in the car too. There's the working out. We see a big uptick in January where people start working out on the treadmill in the spring, walking the dog. Oh, that's fascinating. So yeah, it's, it. there's more time in the day, and here's the beauty of this. There's more time in the day to consume audio than any other medium. It's not just driving the car, but it's working out, walking the dog, doing yard work. It's a, it's a distraction medium. It helps you get through the monotony. A lot of people that are line workers working at Amazon factories, those folks are listening to podcasts, truck drivers listening to podcasts while they're working. So it gives you a chance to get through that. And, and by the way, we see the biggest uptick of downloads on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, during local work hours. Those are the biggest days. There's a little drop-off on Monday and Friday and a huge drop-off on Saturday, Sunday. So it really is something that people are doing at, to and from work, but more importantly, even at work, people are listening.
0: It used to be when you wanted to kind of take uh, you know, take a break from the project you're working on, you'd pop over to email. Now it's become social media. What you're saying is um, that, that those channels are starting to crowd out, like when, I, when I'm sitting at my desk. And it's lunchtime, during workouts, driving to and from work. Those are the times where I have um, rapt attention. I have plenty of time, uh, unpressured by maybe doing a few reps um and i've never really thought about it that way but i think not only are we getting more quality time but we're getting uh more less
1: distracted less uh multitasked time uh that's what i'm hearing you say yeah and, and it also depends on what people's jobs are some people listen to podcasts at you know they have a job where they can multitask and they can do listen to podcasts while they're doing what their job is and not everybody has that job not everyone can can concentrate on a podcast and it, you know those people may have music in the background or something just to drown out the sound but there are certain people that have jobs where they can listen at work and and where they're doing data entry or other things like that uh line like i mentioned line workers at at factories um they can be listening to podcasts so there it, you can it's it's a really nice multitask medium, and that's the beauty of it. it. Just a great opportunity to get out there. Then the other thing is the 600 million blogs in the world is only about 250,000 active podcasts. So the number of active podcasts, number of active blogs, huge difference, discrepancy. Even though it feels like there are thousands and thousands of podcasts um, compared to blogs, it's still a relatively small market. We're still talking thousands in podcasting. In blogs, you talk millions, hundreds of millions. Right? So it's you know hundreds of thousands versus hundreds of millions. That's how you're you're measuring the two different mediums. Well, for someone who's starting a podcast, let's talk a little bit about what you find in terms
0: of length. So, uh, how much? uh, How long is uh, the average podcast? How long is the average successful podcast? Can you draw can you a
1: distinction there? It's The length of the podcast, how long should my podcast be, is about the number one question we see. And the the short answer is there is no ideal length. Uh, but when we look at the most popular podcasts, they happen to be longer. When we looked on Libsyn, those shows getting 100,000 downloads or more, uh, what we found was 84% were 51 minutes or longer. And when you look in Apple overall in the top 200 episodes, uh, the median number is around 65 minutes, and the the, um, the average is around 60 minutes or vice versa. And those 75% were 40 minutes or longer in, in Apple Podcasts. In fact, only some some people will tell you, "Oh, 22 minutes is ideal length." Well, if anyone tells you 22 minutes, they don't know podcasting. They come from radio. That's a radio number, right? But in podcasting, when you looked at that 22 minutes, it was six percent of shows that were the top. Um, shows were, we're 22 minutes or less. So it's a very small percentage, and much more were two hours or longer percentage wise in the top of, of podcasting. So no such thing as um, too long in podcasting, just too boring. Um, you know, and, and I do always want to preface this with don't make your show long just to make it long. Right. Don't don't say okay. I gotta have a two hour episode or an hour episode if I want to be popular and take 15 minutes of content and try to spread it out over two hours. I like to joke that's called Star Wars Episode One. You know, Lucas had 15 minutes of content. He made a whole movie out of it. Didn't work. But don't do what the folks at HBO did with Game of Thrones the last season. They took 16 episodes or 15 episodes and tried to just cram it into six. So don't try to make your show too short either. Make the episode the length it needs to be. If this week you need to be 45 minutes, be 45. Next week you need to be an hour and a half, be an hour and a half. That's the beauty of it.
0: And, you know, I, I consider podcasting to be a, uh, a visual Medium, which sounds kind of strange. A conversation is an auditory medium, but there's always a back and forth, and there's always this sense of what am I going to say next. Podcast, uh, if it's done right, we, as you said are t- at the outset, telling stories, drawing pictures with words, and this can be also done with the, with the written word, um, but someone listening to a podcast does not have to be uh, interacting with it. They're in um, kind of a lean back and absorb sort of a mode. And I think that's, that's really powerful. Um, What is, uh, so how quickly would we expect to grow our audience uh, when we first launch a podcast? What's a reasonable expectation?
1: It all depends on what your show is about. Some There, we see shows of all different length, um, all different sizes, Uh, but I'll I'll put some median and mean numbers out here. So the median or the mean or median number of downloads that we see across all the shows that host on Libsyn, Libsyn's the largest of active podcast hosts um, based on number of episodes and shows. So what we see is the median number is about 130 downloads per episode within 30 days of release.
0: 130 downloads per episode within 130
1: days? Within 30 days, within 30 days. So I'm sorry, within, 130, yes, within 30 130, days. 130 downloads within 30 days is what we see for the median number. And now the, the mean, the average adjusted, once we take the large shows out, is more around 1,500. It's been around 1,500 for the average for quite some time. It's stayed rather steady at that 1,500. So if you can get a podcast that gets to even 500 downloads an episode, you are really successful. And and, and to put that in perspective, when's the last time you got in front of 500 people and spoke? <laughs> it, most people never get that opportunity to get out in front of 500 people. And then to do it every week, uh, that's really a, a big hit. So if you can get to 500, you've broken away from friends, family, any acquaintances, and you've picked up strangers. And that's what you want.
0: Well, and as of this, uh, as of This time, this is uh, January of 2020. We've been doing this a little bit over a year. Uh, We are going to hit 1,500 this month, which is the average. So we've been past the median uh, quite quickly. Uh, Of course, the, the golden question is, of those downloads, how many people are actually listening? How many people are playing?
1: We can get play statistics from... Apple. Apple will give you back consumption, how far people listen in your episodes, where they drop off. But the magnitude isn't perfect because they don't include all the devices. So you don't get a real true number from Apple on, on magnitude that are, are listening through Apple. But you can
0: compare the number of people that download from Apple to the number of people that play on Apple. Is it fair to say that that percentage would apply itself to um, other, ch- other channels, the Spotify's and Stitcher's uh, of the world?
1: Well, if you see any numbers on Spotify, it is actually people that hit play because Spotify—it's it, about them hitting play on the Spotify app, and it'll show up only if they hit play. So, so it depends really where the, where it's coming from. Overcast, can, you can set it up to automatically download. So some apps, you can set up to automatically download, and then yeah, you, you don't know for sure if they listened. Uh, others, you can't. And hence, you know, any numbers you get like from Spotify truly are listens.
0: What do you think is the percentage? Um, If you just look industry-wide, what do you think the percentage
1: of actual plays to downloads is? It depends. It depends on how long your show's been out. And if you've been featured and things like that. But over time, let's say you have a show that's been going on for a year, year plus, and you haven't been featured anywhere in Apple Podcasts recently. Eighty-five to ninety percent of those downloads are played.
0: Really, and if
1: you're featured, then you'll have the spike in downloads, but not necessarily spike in plays. What happens is you get a spike in downloads, but then if someone stops listening during that feature um, and they don't listen to the next four, you'll get four down more downloads from them before they they filter out. Right where before Apple Podcast stops downloading automatically but if you've been haven't been featured anytime recently and you've been out for a year you pretty much know any of that initial bump is gone and and people that are listening are downloading are actually listening now there's always churn you can have churn in your audience but once you've gotten to a point where your show is kind of flattened out you can get a pretty good feel that that's really your audience so
0: uh, do you have a sense for podcasts that do a good job of promotion so We do this podcast to educate. Um, I believe that my audience is going to uh, hang uh, gratitude and reciprocity on a hook in their brain and associate it with me and my brand. And when they need conversion uh, optimization services, I'll be one of the first things that they think of. The other end of the spectrum is I'm going to produce a podcast. I'm going to present something to you, and I'm going to ask you to take action. I'm going to ask you to go buy something. Are there a lot of podcasts that are really about promotion, as you know, used essentially as infomercials?
1: Well, yeah. And the ones that are are, are infomercials don't do well, they just die. Because if if 95% of your content is promotion, people are going to see through it. You know, you have to be 95% of your content is content that's of value to the listener. So the shows you ask, you know, which shows do best, they're the ones that provide the best value for the listeners and provide a way for the listeners to promote the show and interact with those listeners. And when I talk to the biggest shows that are out there and I ask them what they did to promote their shows, almost all of them to a T say nothing. They just let their audience promote it for them. So, you know, there is no silver bullet for promoting a podcast, launching a podcast, getting an audience. Um, Things that do work uh, out of the gate to help you get an initial audience are, advertising on other podcasts or networking with other podcasts or advertising on overcast advertising with spotify but outside of that which is for just you know you can't do that forever outside of that initial bump really comes down to how well you interact with your audience and then how well you your audience then promotes your show when we look at shows that launch with say one three five and ten episodes we see the shows that launch with one and three doing better than those that launch with ten And the the reason is when someone launches with 10, those 10 episodes have no listener feedback because they haven't launched yet. So there's no listener feedback. So they've kind of said right from day one, we're not going to interact with you. Forget what they may say, but what they've shown, what they've done is here's 10 episodes with no interaction with their audience. And people go back and find those early episodes and don't feel there's a connection, that, that there's a way for them to interact with the audience. And people like to have that connection. Whereas shows that launch at one or three have an opportunity f- right from the beginning to start getting listener feedback and saying, "Hey, you know, be part of the show. You're part of the show. You're you're the show. This is your show." And and those folks tend to do better long term. You know, we don't get a lot of uh, uh, listener
0: feedback. What are the primary channels, and how can how could we do a better job of encouraging li- listener feedback?
1: Every podcast should have a call in number, uh, so that someone on a smartphone that hears it can just tap. On the show notes and call the show and leave feedback. Every show should have a Gmail account. Really? Yes. Interesting. And these would this is this is set up in the show notes. It's not necessarily mentioned on the air. You mention it on the air. Absolutely. Mention your phone number. Get a number like my number for my my podcast today. And I my number is two zero six moon dog. You know, 206-666-6364. I, everybody knows that, you know, that listens to my show. And they know that they call that number and they can leave me feedback. Um, I have a Gmail account, you know, obviously today in iOS at gmail.com. So you want to make sure you have a Gmail account. You want to make sure you have a call-in number that people can call into your show, leave you feedback. That, by and large... Really helps build a community around your show. Having a place for the community, having a whether it be a MeWe page or a Facebook page, having some place where they can also go, your listeners go and 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 mingle and talk and ask questions. With other listeners is a good way to build up community, and and for them to go out and then find ways to promote your show. I think I'm at a disadvantage because I don't really listen to
0: podcasts that way. I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audio. I probably read ten books by audio for everyone that I read on my nightstand at night. Um, so I, uh, I guess I assume, and this is this is what data and science is all about not making assumptions like, uh, I assume everybody listens like me. And so they're in their car, and by the time they've reached the office, they've pretty much forgotten, um, you know, what was going on, and they dive into their work. So what you're saying is, it's com- is this—is it common for people to have uh, this feedback
1: mechanism, and, and can we expect people to actually use it? Yes, and yes. Again, it depends on, you know, if your goal is growth, you want to have interaction with your audience. The the shows that all grow, all the shows that are really the biggest shows, have their audience promoting the show for them.
0: Give me some examples of, of giant shows that, that do this. Maybe something that we've heard of that are on Libsyn.
1: Well, Joe Rogan doesn't put the, the feedback on a show, but he has his community and he reaches out to his community. But um, early on, he did have that. Um, and that was one of the things... Uh, Dan Carlin does absolutely nothing for promotion of a show, but his audience all promoted it. Lore is an, a, a good example of a show that had feedback, and the audience um, interacted and gave feedback. So Lore would be one uh, that really used that. Grammar Girl, uh, uh, many other shows. I mean, the the idea here is let your audience do the promotion for you. So this might be the this might be the the the
0: magical learning that I'm going to take away from this phone number email address, Facebook community, or Instagram community, wherever you're comfortable building communities for back and forth. Um, Absolutely necessary for
1: growth of a a podcast. Um, You have to interact with your audience. You have to get your audience promoting your show because you're not word of mouth. I mean, it's, it's word of mouth marketing. It's like movies. You know, the example I like to use in how podcast marketing works, it's, it's long form content And it's just like the movie industry. You know, movie industry, let's take an example, Disney, and two different movies from Disney. Um, The Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp and Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis. Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis, they spent almost nothing on marketing, $40 million budget overall, over $600 million in ticket sales. And then you go to Lone Ranger, they spent $195 million on marketing and production. Most of that was marketing. And did under 100 million in ticket sales. Right? Why? One audience said, "Go, you know, go out to their friends. Go out and you got to see this movie." The other audience said to their friends, "Don't go see this movie." You know, it was word of mouth that brought one up, and it was word of mouth that brought one down. And it didn't matter how much Disney spent on marketing on on Lone Ranger; it wasn't going to help it. Very rarely do
0: I listen to a, pick up a new podcast because I've searched. Um, you know, Google podcast, I guess is my favorite player right now. Um, I'm an Android guy. Uh, but if uh, a friend or my daughter, somebody recommends a podcast, uh, I'll binge right through all the episodes of that. So, uh, I can completely see that in my own little space, but I think that also in, in, in a lot of the niches that our clients are in and the people that are listening here, we're in a very specific niche, anything from, um, work gloves to, um, uh, home filters to um, contact lenses and eyeglasses. It's not going to be something people are going to go looking for. Really, word of mouth really is going to be important. For ours, I think the reason we had growth was two reasons. Number one, we have uh, an engaged email list, not a giant email list, but it's engaged. And I made it sure to, to uh, send out announcements to our email list. And I think that's helped our, our growth Uh, Certainly doesn't account for all of it because it's not a a giant list. And we also did some promotion on Webmaster Radio um, through a a related show there and actually um, started putting our content out on Webmaster Radio, who already had uh, an existing audience. Um, So there is going to be some promotion that's needed, but you, if you have an interesting show... Um, and you are, um, solving problems that your target market's involved in. Word of mouth is going to, um, is going to be the, the, the key thing. So I'm hearing be patient, um, be good at what you do. And I think a little bit of excitement and interest, um, will carry the day.
1: Do not use your social media audience size to have any bearing on what your podcast size will be. Um, they too do not equate. You know, we had one person that had eighteen million eighteen point eight million YouTube subscribers and sixty million social media followers overall and he was getting forty two thousand downloads an episode. We had one of the major golf manufacturers had six million Facebook followers and they got fifty thousand downloads an episode and they're like, Why are the numbers so low? And I'm like, They're not low. I go podcast oh God, listeners, are they so low. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like their numbers are great. Fifty thousand puts you in the top one percent. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I go, but you can't equate people that follow you on on social media to podcast listeners. Podcast listeners are the truest, diest hard fans. Those are the ones that you know are your the most important of your clients. As, as I tried to tell them, I mean, those are your f- real fanboys. Anybody can click subscribe or fan, you know, fan, it, but it's a one time deal. Podcasting is an ongoing. Th- Commitment. You can subscribe, but if the downloads don't happen, is
0: that pretty typical for, you'd mentioned that Apple Podcasts will download five episodes and then stop unless you request it. Is that yes. uh, true across the, across the marketplace with the different players and the different?
1: Well, I don't know on all of the apps, but Apple's the biggest. So Apple's you know, 60% of the consumption downloads. Now, some of them will keep downloading. There's some that, that um, I do know continue on that kind of inflate the numbers a little bit. Uh, um, but for the most of them um, don't. So most of them are, are you actually will only download the episode once you click the play button, or if you manually click download. And and because if an app, by the way, if if someone just goes and clicks subscribe and it keeps downloading, it'll fill up their device. Their smartphone will fill up really quick. So a lot, yeah. So a lot of these um, apps are designed not to fill up all your space on your device. Got it. Um, One of the things we
0: have, uh, we study in the video world is production value, uh, lighting, uh, audio, um, those sorts of quality, uh, production, the amount of effort you put into editing. Uh, Any advice? Do I need to have a highly produced, um, highly edited podcast to make it um, successful?
1: Or what do you see in your numbers? You don't have to. <laughs> no one's ever you're never going to get this email. Hey, I stuck with your podcast cuz the audio quality was just so good, that I knew eventually the content would come around. <laughs> sounds silly when you say it like that, it right? It does. Ultimately, it it's it's about your content. You have to have really good content. Now, your audio quality should be good enough that it's not going to make your ears bleed and people can easily understand you. But that's easy to do with a $100 mic. You don't have to spend a lot of money on, on an expensive mic. Just hit, you need 100 bucks on a mic in a quiet room, and and you're good to go. Uh, that's that's the beauty of podcasting. And people are listening with earbuds in and driving down the highway. It doesn't have to be pristine audio. Now, some people will go overboard and, and get studios made and go out to studios that are already there, and they'll spend more money on one studio recording than it would have been to buy a good mic and put up some soundproofing in their room. I'm sitting in a conference room. When I do mine, I've got
0: a less than hundred dollar Shure microphone.
1: Um, What is it? The M 58 SM 58, SM 58, which is a really good mic, right? Do you plug it into an H six or what are you recording on? Or no, you're doing on the computer.
0: Uh, Actually I plugged it. I'm plugging it into one of the Scarlet, 212, 212s, two one twos, two I twos. Yep. Uh, yep. You can That's tell good. exactly how, uh, <laughs> how technical I am around this. Um, and that gets it into my computer. And so, yeah, it all works. Well, is there a, is there a minimum time
1: that you should give this a chance to work? What we see, you know, you asked that here's what, what I see people giving it. We see what we call pod fading and we see people will pod fade before 10 episodes and and that's that's the folks that go oh, wow this is a lot harder than i thought because it is more work than just write you know if it takes you you know 5 minutes to write a blog post it's going to take you an hour to do that as a podcast um after you know recording editing uploading doing everything
0: if you can if you can if you can write a, po- a
1: blog post in 5 minutes call me <laughs> well some people can haven't you that's, that's, <laughs> there are some really bad ones out there uh yeah but the the point is it's going to take you more time to do the podcast and uh, now that's not a bad thing that does filter it down it means there's less people doing it but the other group that we see Podfade are about a year in about 50 episodes in and after about a year they go you know what i'm never going to make money at this and i'm going to quit now if you're getting into podcasting to make money directly from your podcast and i'm going to quit my day job and i'm going to get advertising and i'm going to make money from my cast, Brad's run away run away run away seven percent of shows Ever get to the numbers where they can monetize to advertising. So that, and, and even then, it's not quit your day job money. Less than 1% of shows, maybe 1% of shows, get to the numbers where it's quit your day job money. So pretty bad odds. Uh, so if your business model is, I'm going to start a podcast, or as someone once told me, I lost my job and this is my backup plan, that's not a good business model, not a good backup plan.
0: And I suspect most of it my listeners are more interested in making uh, their prospects better at buying their products, uh, helping them understand um, why their value proposition is amazing, keeping them interested in products. And I suspect that the people who run podcasts like a little bit of the limelight. They like to hear themselves talk like me. Um, They feel comfortable with that vocal medium. And uh, if they're like me, their SEO has taken away their, their fun on their blog.
1: (laughs) Well, and podcasting, I'll say this, podcasting is a great way to make yourself as an authority in your field. It separates you from others. And if you want to speak, if one of your goals is to get out there and speak in the world, um, having a podcast is, is a great way to become a speaker on the circuit. When you can say to someone, yeah, I'm a podcaster here. You listen to my show and you apply to speak. You will get picked over a blogger. Nine times out of 10.
0: Very interesting. And I'll, you know, the usual methodology for becoming a thought leader um, and getting on stages is to write a book. And I will tell you this podcasting is a whole lot easier than publishing a book. So this might be a a quicker way to do that. And it gives you something to send to those, those folks that are putting together events and considering um, someone to hire.
1: Anything else that I should be asking you about? No, I think the one last tip I'd say, you know, one of the other good reasons to do a podcast is if you have a business, it, you can use it rather than cold calling. What you do is you start a podcast that is geared and covers the topics that your target audience clients are in. And then you just reach out to them and go, hey, I have a podcast, that, you know, it's covering this marketing topic. And, and you say, you know, um, I, I think you're brilliant. Would you like to come and share your brilliance with my audience? Which is much better than sending an email saying, "Hey, I want your business. Can you reply to me right cold calling email emails don't go anywhere, but telling someone they're brilliant and you want their talent and you want to share it with them um, their intelligence, that's a great way to get a reply and then once you get them on the show to build a rapport with them and at the end of the thing going, "Hey, if you ever need anybody that does this, um, this is what I do on the side. you know this is my side job. You, now you've got a relationship, you've got a connection. And can turn into clients. Uh, John Jantz did that to great success, uh, with great success with duct tape marketing. John's a great guy too. Um, you know that's that's a great point because I have
0: had people on. We do these free consultations, so you can. Um, sign up for a free consultation. We'll take a look at your website, um, make recommendations about, uh, how you should go about optimizing it, what kind of data you should collect, what kind of uh, research you can do. Um, some of those people are qualified to, to work with my team, but most of them aren't, but I would come across very interesting businesses. And I'm like, this is so fascinating. I will invite them onto the podcast. And at that point, it's not necessarily because I want to, um, um flatter them into becoming a client uh, there's some really interesting things going on and i'll bet our audience is dealing with partners and vendors and prospects on a on a weekly basis that are like wow this is so interesting we should be talking with this about the rest of the industry and um so i can uh, i can totally vouch for that that's a great suggestion the strategic use of the podcast Well, this has been everything I hoped it would be. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge of the podcasting world. Libsyn is who we host with. We've been very happy with the performance, the data you provide, the stats. Uh, The interface is easy to use and intuitive. Uh, and lets us plug in anything that we want to use. So I certainly will give you a plug. For those podcasters uh, who want to pick a host
1: and who want to learn more about podcasting, what resources would you recommend? Just email me, rob at libsyn.com, R-O-B at dot Happy to answer any questions you have about podcasting.
0: There it is. There it is. By the time you guys hear this, I will have added a phone number and an email address that you can use to reach out to me and give me feedback. Rob, it's been fantastic. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. When you get back to the office, what would the voice of your brand be or who? Would it be you? Could it be you? Have you ever practiced your radio voice? I'm using mine right now. Since you're probably in your car, you should give it a try. Drop your voice into the back of your throat and push air out with your diaphragm. Then let your voice drop and rise with random words. Now try describing your favorite movie. In a world before running water. If you're at a stoplight, don't worry. People would just think you're singing along with your favorite Bon Jovi tune. Well, unless they're listening to this podcast too. So how did that feel, giving yourself a voice, a voice designed to communicate, to evoke emotion? How would it feel to give your brand a voice like that? Again, could that voice be yours? Now go scare someone with your radio voice.